Well, good morning. How's everybody feeling? Excited to be here? Are you ready to pursue awesome with me today? Anybody? Anybody want to live an awesome life? Uh, some of you are not sure. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, if you're a guest with us here today, uh, we are in a we're wrapping up a series called Pursuing Awesome. It has been a really fun series for me to preach. I hopefully, hopefully it's been fun for you to engage in and listen to and maybe put some of these ideas into action. But if you are a guest with us here today, uh, what we've been talking about is this idea that most people in the world settle for an average life. And what I mean by average is less than what they're capable of and less than what they desire in their life. And what's crazy about that is that when we were growing up as kids, and you can remember when you were a child, uh, you, know, you didn't dream about being average, did you? No, of course not. Like when you're a little kid and people say, what do you want to do with your life? You know, you'd say something completely awesome like Superman. <laughs> you know, I want to be Spider-Man. I mean, I'm, I'm not talking for girls right now, but for boys, it's like, I want to be an NFL football player. Or I want to, you know, be a firefighter and do something awesome and save people, you know, the way superheroes do or something like that. And nobody said, I want to be average, you know. And, but along the road, for some reason, maybe it was a coach or a teacher or a parent or some friends you know, they gave us some feedback and said, well, you're not really that smart or you're not really that intelligent or you're not really that fast or you're not really this or you're not really that. And all of a sudden, we started to get this negative feedback about ourselves and we start to sit down a little bit and go, well, maybe I'm not going to do something awesome with my life. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to be average. And most people settle right in there for mediocrity. And what ends up happening over the years is the only thing that changes in our life is that we get older and we start losing our hair and it starts turning different colors and then we start growing hair in different places where we've never had hair before. <laughs> like I have gray nose hairs now. <laughs> Nobody told me about that was going to happen, right? I've got hairs growing out of my ears now. It's really gross. <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's just like... That's what happens. As you, you know, the only thing that changes in your life is you get older. But you don't, nothing else changes if you stay average, if you get stuck in average. And this series has really been designed to say, hey, let's push out of average. Let's try to do, let's maybe go back to our childhood dreams and say, you know what, I, I do want to do something awesome with my life. I don't want to just, you know, get older and look back, you know, when I'm 85 years old and with a bunch of regrets and think what might have been had I had enough courage or had I had, I had more faith or had, had I taken more action or had I made more phone calls or whatever it is, right? I don't want to be that person at the end of my life. With a, with a pile of regret. I want to think back. I want to look back. If I make it to 85 years old or something like that, I want to look back and say, man, I squeezed as much out of life as I possibly could. I went as far as I possibly, my talent could possibly take me. And I want that same thing for you. And so that's really what this whole series is about, pursuing awesome. You know, I want to go back to week two and, and, and really just spend some time there just for a few moments because it's so important. If you missed week two of this series, please, please, please go back because everything else really hinges upon week two. We, in week two, we talked about having a target, having a picture of what an awesome life looks like for you because if you don't have a target, how can you hit it, right? 
You cannot hit a target that you don't have. So it's so important that you, get, you take those four principles that I gave you uh, to, to kind of discover what your awesome is. It has to glorify God. It has to engage your heart, something that makes your blood pump. It's got uh, to be bigger than yourself. It just can't be about you. I want to lose 30 pounds. Okay, that's fine. That might be awesome, but there's more to life than losing weight, right? So, so it's got to be bigger than you, right? And then the last one has got to leverage your gifts. Like you have a specific talent, a specific skill that God wants you to use to make a difference that's bigger than you in this world. And so that, those four principles will help you come up with what your awesome is. And you need to know, you need to have clarity what God wants to do with you on this earth. Listen, there's 7 billion people on this planet. God puts you here to help some of them, <laughs> okay? And that is your awesome. He has prepared good works for you to do in advance. You have to discover what they are and go do them. That's really what this series is all about. Now, one of the big reasons why we don't reach that awesome is because of this right here. We don't reach awesome many times because we don't have a team. We're trying to go at it alone. We're, we don't have a group of people around us who are helping us to reach our awesome. Have you noticed that? We live in a culture that glorifies individualism. Someone that can, you know, someone like John Wayne, who can just do it all by themselves. Anybody grew up watching Rambo? Sylvester Stallone, First Blood? Woof, those are some movies, baby. He's got his M16 and grenades on his sides, and he just kills everybody. And as a kid growing up, you think, wow, one person can do it all. But it's just not true. The crazy thing about Rambo is that it never happened. <laughs> and one person cannot kill another army, right? Even if they had all the ammunition in the world. Like it's, it, they're just kidding. But we grow up with this idea that, that I can kind of do things on my own. It's just not possible. Listen to what Bob Nardelli said. He was the former CEO of Home Depot. He said, I absolutely believe that people, unless coached, never reach their maximum potential. Unless a person has other people speak into their life and help them, they never go as far as they could have gone. Do you believe that? Will you, will you buy that idea today? You have to, because if you don't, you will not recruit a team of people around you that are going to help you reach the awesome, the target that you, that you put on the wall for yourself. It was Ben Stein who said it this way. I believe this with all my heart. Personal relationships are the fertile soil from which all advancement, all success and all achievement in real life grows. Wow. You say, how am I going to reach my awesome? I've got this target. How am I going to go? How am I going to get there? I'm telling you, one of the key ways that you're going to get there is through personal relationships. The people that in, are in your life. No one gets to awesome by themselves. So let me, let me, for the next you know, couple minutes here, I want to talk about why do we need a team in our life? Why do we need a group of people around us that are going to help us reach our awesome? The first reason is this, if you're taking notes right here, and I strongly encourage you to take notes because you forget most of what you don't write down. Number one, we need a group of people around us because we don't know everything we need to know. We simply lack insight. We simply lack experience. We don't know all of the information that we need to know in order to reach our awesome in our lives. It was, it, was, uh, this, it was this way for Michael Jordan. I know I use a lot of Michael Jordan illustrations, so, you know, those of you who get bored with those, I apologize, but he is the GOAT. You say, what's the GOAT? Greatest of all time. So he's worth talking about, right? He's worth talking about. Uh, who's LeBron? I'm not sure. But anyway, anyway, so let me talk about MJ for a little bit. <laughs> back in 1989, back in 1989, Michael Jordan had zero titles, and he came up against this 
incredible, aggressive team called the Pistons. Remember the Pistons? Anybody remember Bill Lambeer? What an awful, awful NBA player. I'm not kidding. He was good, but he, was, but he played dirty, and Isaiah Thomas and, and Joe Dumars and those guys, man, they came, the, Bulls, the Bulls could not get past the Pistons in 1989. So there was an article written in a, in a Chicago uh, newspaper that year after the Bulls lost to the Pistons, and uh, Tim Grover, 25-year-old athletic trainer, I didn't know this, this, I just found this out this week. Tim Grover read this article, and it was about how Michael Jordan wasn't physically fit enough to endure the punishment that the Pistons were putting on him. Like, the Pistons had these rules. They called the Jordan rules. Every time Jordan would come into the lane, they would just foul him hard. Anyway, Tim, Tim gets this idea. He's going to go to the Bulls. He's going to pitch this little, uh, the sales pitch that he can get Michael Jordan in shape for next year so that when they face the Pistons again, he can, he'd be strong enough in his shoulders and upper body to be able to able withstand the, the beating. And so Michael's like, dude, you're 25, come on. You don't have any other NBA players that you're training, and you want to train me? It was a really hard sell, but Tim Grover was persistent, and he finally got Michael Jordan to uh, relinquish, and he said, look, I'll give you 30 days. If I don't see a change in my body in 30 days, then, then we're done. 30 days turned into 15 years. Tim Grover was Michael Jordan's personal trainer. And if you look at pictures from Michael Jordan in 1989 to 1990 and 91, you can see a physical difference in his shoulders and his chest and his upper body strength. Of course, that led to six NBA titles. How many does LeBron have? I'm not sure. But it's not six, okay? Anyway, anyway. See, this is gonna, a, lot of, a lot of conversations over Twitter about this later on this afternoon. It's going to be fun. Um, but... Uh, but he went on to have this magnificent career. So well, here's what I'm saying. Not even Michael Jordan knew everything he needed to know in order to, to reach his maximum potential. People don't reach their maximum potential without a coach coming and saying, here's what you need to do. He put him on this strict program of weightlifting and all these different things and got his strength up. Here's, how, here's what the Bible says. Watch this. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let the wise hear. It's interesting. Usually we think about the wise talking. Oh, he's so wise, or she's so wise. The Bible actually says it's the opposite. The wise person is talking less and hearing more, and therefore they increase in learning. Let the one who, say it with me, understands obtain guidance. Usually we think about it the other way. The person who understands doesn't need any guidance because they already know. What does the wise person understand? Ready? This is what the wise person understands. They understand that what they don't know far outweighs what they do know. They just know they're missing information about how to parent kids well, about how to start a business, about how to do this or do that, or how to have a successful marriage. They just know that what they don't know far outweighs what they do know. And therefore, what do they do? They go out and they start asking questions of those who actually do know. See, the reality, the reason, number one reason why you need a team around you is because you lack information. You lack insight. Nobody knows everything. It was Woodrow Wilson who said this, this 28th president of the United States. He said, not only do I use all of my brains, but all that I can borrow. <laughs> I love that quote. What was he saying? Just because I'm the president of the United States, just because I'm in charge, doesn't mean I'm the smartest person in the country. So I need to talk to this person and this person and this person and this person. You don't know what you need to know. Therefore, you need a team of people in your life. You need to do life in community. Second reason, number two, you need people around you so that you can avoid huge mistakes. You know, as a pastor, I, uh, I talk to a lot of people, and it's, it's a unique position that I'm in because people 
come to me oftentimes after they've made a huge mistake. And they, they need to talk with somebody to help. How do, you, how do I salvage this? How do I salvage my marriage? How do I salvage this, my reputation? How do I salvage the, you know, I've, I've done X. And a lot of times as I'm investigating and asking questions and talking with people about their huge mistake, I, I, I'll ask them, you know, no, so did you, did you ask any about, anybody about that before you made that decision, before you made that partnership, before you got into, into a, a deal with that person, before you married this girl? Did you talk to anybody? Did you get any insight? No. <laughs> you didn't ask anybody. No, I just felt like it was right. Oh, you didn't talk to anybody. <laughs> you just made that decision in isolation. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, there's a way that we can avoid that. And it's called living with a team, living in community. God has given us this ability to get other people around us to say, before we make a decision, before we make a, because on your path to awesome, you have to make critical decisions, don't you? Come on, guys, do we have to make big decisions in our life? We're making them all the time. Before you make those big decisions, just bring your team in and say, hey, here's what I'm thinking about doing. What do you think? What am I missing? Am I on track? Is this the right person? Is this the right deal? Is this the right partner? What do you guys think? What am I missing here? Because you don't know everything you need to know. So you pull your team in, and that's how we run this church. We say, hey, before we make a decision, we go, what do you think? And what do you think? And what do you think? Do we do it perfectly? I'm sure we don't. But that's what we try to do. Because we know that we don't know everything we need to know, and we need a team of people to help us make critical decisions. Listen to how the Bible explains it, Proverbs 15, 22. Plans go wrong for a lack of what? Yeah. Things, your plan to achieve awesome, whatever it involves, decisions with money, decisions with people, decisions with relationships, your decision, your, your plans can go terribly wrong if you don't ask other people. Of course, it's got to be the right people, <laughs> okay? You can't bring in your buddies uh, who, who, who don't know. <laughs> you got you to have the right people. But watch this. Many advisors bring success. Why? Because they can see things you don't see. They have experiences that you don't have. So why not bring them in? I'll never forget. It was Andy Stanley who said this. Hey, people are going to find out about your decisions anyway. They're going to find out about who you married and who you partnered with and what car you bought and where, what house you chose to live in and what neighborhood you're in. They're going to find out. Right? So nobody makes decisions and, and then it, it stays secret. No, they're going to find out. Right? So why not get those people in on the front end of your decision-making process if they're going to find out anyway and render a judgment? <laughs> well, that was stupid or that was dumb or why didn't you do it this way or that way? Like they're going to have an opinion about the choice that you made. Why not get them in on the front end before you make the choice and potentially save yourself from a huge mistake? Wow. Plans go wrong for a lack of advice, but with many advisors, there's success. You getting this? Say, I got it. Ah, nice. All right. Some of you, I'm not so sure. I don't know. Number three, why do we need a team? Why do we need a team? Because we can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. You do not have enough energy or strength or wisdom or insight to get to awesome by yourself. And if you're sitting here thinking, yes, I can. I can. I'm Rambo. I have a big gun. Listen, if you can get to your awesome by yourself, then your awesome is not big enough. Let me say that again. If you can get to your awesome by yourself, then your awesome is not big enough. You're not dreaming big enough. God wants to do something bigger in your life. And that big thing that he wants to do in your life is something that you're going to need help to achieve in your life. Listen, you guys know who Moses is, right? In the Bible, he's one of the main characters in the Bible. I like to call him Big Mo. 
because he's, 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 he's a big character in the Bible. And, and if anybody could do it alone, it was Big Mo, right? He's the, he's the guy the Bible says that God spoke face to face with. It says that. He's the guy that God used to part the Red Sea. Remember? You ever see Prince of Egypt? The cartoon? Anybody? <laughs> that story's actually real. It's in the Bible. He's the guy. He's the guy that did some incredible stuff. Big Mo. If anybody could do it by themselves, it was Mo. So after they go through the Red Sea and they're in the promised land and they're settling in or, you know, the government's all set up and all that stuff, all of the people start to line up and, and they're talking to Moses. It's about a million people, right? And Moses is sitting at this, at this spot and he's basically the one-man government. And people are people, so people are doing what people do. You ever notice how crazy people are? They steal stuff, they take stuff that doesn't belong to them, and they do crazy stuff. You ever notice that? Just me? They do crazy stuff. And so back then they were doing crazy stuff, and somebody had to render a judgment, so they were lining up to talk to Moses, and he was the one dishing out the judgments, telling them, you shouldn't do that, here's your penalty, here's what God says, blah, 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 blah. One day, one day, Mo's father-in-law comes along. His name was Jethro, and watch what he says here. He says, yo, Mo. Actually, he didn't say that, but he said, he said, he says, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly will yourselves out. Because they were standing in line all day. He was the only judge. He was the only one in charge. He was the only leader. Crazy. Watch what, Moses, watch what Jethro says. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able, say it with me, to do it alone. Listen, if Moses couldn't do it alone, what makes you think that you can? Are you closer to God than Moses? Are you stronger than he is? Do you have more energy than Moses did? No. no, no. we got to get over this idea. We, we, we must begin to leverage people in our life. I said that, that, that might sound negative. I don't mean it. I don't mean it negative. We must tap into the wisdom and knowledge and experience of the people around us. That's actually the, the way God wants us to get to awesome. You know, uh, in this book I'm reading um, called The One Thing by Gary Keller of Keller Williams, he writes about a guy named Max Telmed. Anybody ever hear of Max Telmed? Interesting name. I had neither. But uh, Max Telmed was actually Albert Einstein's mentor. Listen to this. Albert Einstein had Max Telmed as, as his first mentor. It was Max who introduced a 10-year-old Einstein to key texts in math, science, and philosophy. Max took one meal a week with the Einstein family for six years while guiding young Albert. No one is self-made, Gary Keller. That's 312 dinners at the Einstein household. I personally have never spent that much time with one individual mentoring them. Never. I've spent time with people but never 312 meals in their home. You say, Albert Einstein, he's so amazing. He's a, he was mentored from the age of 10 by an adult pouring into him, right? No one is self-made. It was John Maxwell who said this in his book, 17 Laws of, of, of a Team. Nothing of significance was ever achieved by an individual acting alone. Are you getting this? Is this good stuff or what? Right? Am I convincing you that you need a team in your life? You absolutely need a team no, you, because you cannot do it alone. Let's talk about number four. Why do you need a team? Because you don't know who you need to know. Number one was you don't know everything you need to know. Number four is you don't know who you need to know. What am I saying here? There are people in your life that you need to know that are going to help you get to where you want to go. 
But if you decide to be Rambo, if you decide to, be, to live in isolation and say, I can do this myself, you will never know who those people are. Let me give you an example. When I was a, high, a college student at New York University, um, I was feeling like, man, this is, this is tough because I was a brand new Christian and Manhattan, New York, New York is not a, the best place to start your faith. It's difficult. I was the only Christ follower on my basketball team. Uh, it, was, it was very challenging. And I found myself waffling in my faith and I was kind of going backwards and I knew I needed a change, but, you know, what do you do? Where do you go? I mean, I don't know how to transfer colleges or anything like that. So one day, because I was engaged in a church and because I knew the people in church, and I put myself in their path, and I was in relationship with them. I met a guy from high school that I played against who was a couple years ahead of me. His name was Eric Sorensen. He got a full-ride Division I scholarship to Liberty University. At that time, I had not heard of Liberty, Liberty University at all. He said to me one day, how's it going at NYU? I said, school's going okay. How's your faith? Uh, it's kind of this, nah, grades are good, basketball's fine, but, but I'm struggling in my faith. He said, why don't you transfer to Liberty? I said, transfer to Liberty? You can do that? He said, yeah, fill in an application. I could put in a, a word in for, I could talk to the coach for you and tell him that, you know, you're playing, for, you're playing for NYU, blah, blah, blah. One thing led to another. I filled out an application. Next semester, I was on the campus of Liberty University because of a conversation that I had with Eric Sorensen because I was engaged in church, in relationship with people. It was at Liberty University that I would go on to break the scoring record. I'm just kidding. I didn't even play there. Uh, <laughs> Ah, uh, that's funny though. Maybe not. Um, it was at Liberty. <laughs> it was at Liberty. Where'd that thought come from? You ever have that happen when you're giving a talk? Anyway, anyway. Um, it was at Liberty University that I met this woman right here. I saw her on campus one day. She was like an angel floating. I mean, it was just, who is that? I think you were floating. I really do. Anyway, we met. A couple months later, we started dating. A couple years later, we got married in this spot because this is where Jackie grew up. She went to Center Grove High School, and where do you go to get married? You go where the girl went, where the girl wants, right? So we go where the girl wants, and the girl wanted here. So we get married here, which was fine. I was fine with that. And, and so because we got married here, I met the pastors of this church. Another relationship. And they kind of took a liking to me, and six months later, the phone rings. Hey, do you want to, you know, we're looking for a youth pastor. Would you like to interview Okay, no problem. Come try it out. You know, one thing leads to another, and, and I get a job here, and then five years later, they ask me to, to be the senior pastor. I look at my life, and here's what I see. I see this principle. It was the people in my life. It was the people in my life. Get this. It was the people in my life that God used to get me to where I am today. Is that not true in your life? You say, where's God in all that? God is all over that. God uses the people to get you to where you, want, you need to go. But you have to be engaged in relationship. You can't be playing Rambo. You can't be living in isolation. You have to be investing in relationships. In the Bible, there's a great example of this. It's a guy named Naaman. He was a Syrian soldier. He was a beast. Okay, that's what the Bible describes him. He was one of the top soldiers in the Syrian army, but he had leprosy, which is an awful skin disease where your, your, your fingers start to fall off, your nose falls off, you slowly die. And so one day, uh, Naaman's wife's servant who was like basically a slave. She was a captive from one of the armies they had conquered previously. One day, Naaman's wife's servant girl says, why doesn't your husband go see the prophet Elisha in Jerusalem? He's known to heal people. And so through Naaman's wife's assistant, he goes to Jerusalem 
to see Elisha, and this is what happens. And Elisha tells him to jump into the Jordan River seven times. Watch this, 2 Kings chapter 5. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. Watch this. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Naaman experienced something awesome because of a little girl that he probably didn't even know existed. Do you see that? Do you see how God gets us to where we need to go through people in our lives? What am I saying today? Here's what I'm saying. Would you you please just, just open up your heart to this idea that God will use people to get you to the people that are gonna get you to the awesome that he has created you for. That's just the way it works. Now, if you choose to disengage, and by the way, here's how you disengage with that. You just be a jerk. Just be a jerk. Because when you're a jerk, if you've noticed this, nobody likes to help jerks. Do you agree with this? Have you noticed that? You don't like to help a jerk, do you? (laughs) If I was a jerk, would you come hear me talk? No, no. We don't like to help jerks. So the way that you basically ignore this principle, which basically is this right here, through the people you know, you'll find the people you need to know. The way that you just fail to leverage this principle is just, just be unkind. Just be rude. Just be a jerk because nobody likes to help a jerk. So there you go. You come to church and you, you hear some massive truth. Don't be a jerk. How do you like that? Did you write that down? <laughs> that's some truth right there. Right? And that's the way that you disengage this principle. But, if, but the opposite is also true. If you give, if you serve, if you basically take the approach that 90% of the time I'm going to help you get to where you want to go. I'm going to help you find the person that you need to find. If you do that 90% of the time, I guarantee you the 10% will take care of itself. Well, somebody will, say, somebody will say to you, hey, I heard you were running a marathon. Or I heard you were trying to start a business. I know somebody who started a business like that. You want me to, let me to send you their email? Yeah, sure. That will take care of itself if you just give and give and give and give and give. I would even recommend you do 100% connecting and helping of others and let God take care of the rest. I have noticed that to be true in my life. You just give everything. You help everybody that you possibly can with that's within your energy and your time frame and all that stuff. And you, try, you watch how God opens up doors and you watch how other people will try to help you get to where you need to go in this life. Number five, why do we need a team? Because we become like the people closest to us. This principle is so powerful. It will make you or it will break you. In John Maxwell's book, The 15 Laws of Growth, he cites a social psychologist from Harvard. His name is David McClellan. He says this, the people with whom you habitually associate are called your reference group. Nowadays, we call them our top five. Who's in your top five, right? They're your reference group. And these people determine, watch this, this is powerful, as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. Whoa. Come on, hang with me for a second here. I know, I know I've been talking for a little while. Some of you are sleeping. That's okay. You had, a, you had a long night. It's all right. Wake up. Come on. Watch this. Ready? So 95% of my success or failure is going to be attributed to the people closest to me. Whoa. That's incredible. Makes you, makes you do maybe a, double, a, a, a quick check on, on who your top five are, right? Because here's the deal. If your top five people... If even two or three of your top five people are whiners and complainers and lazy and they're underachievers, what does that mean about you? Where are you headed? If 95% of of your success or failure comes from the closest people to you, that means you're going down the same direction. Maybe you're negative today because the top five in your life are negative. Maybe you complain today because the top five in your life are complainers. 
Let me ask you a question. Is, is somebody in your top five, can they put down a six-pack like in an hour? Can they do that? Maybe some Coors Light or whatever. I don't know. Can they do that? Because it's just a matter of time before you're going to be putting a six-pack down in about an hour. See, that's supposed to be funny. You didn't laugh. <laughs> but it's true. Show me the habits and the values of your top five, and all of a sudden, it's like looking in a mirror. Wow. Because you pick up their, you pick up their, their habits, their insights. You pick up all of the, their actions. You become like the people you run with. You say, does the Bible say that? Watch this. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools suffers harm. Isn't that interesting? So if I want to become wise, who do I have to run with? I have, to, I have to run with people who have some wisdom. But if I hang out with fools, if I hang out with people who, who are, not, I don't know, idiots, guess what? I'm going to end up making choices like them, and I'm going to suffer harm. I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine who was not so smart. <laughs> Anybody have one of those? A couple of those? You know, I was one of those uh, people. I was probably mostly me. But one day he said, you know what? Um, I'm, I'm hungry. Let's go into the uh, deli and steal the beef jerky off of the counter. And, you know, in, in New York, there's delis on every corner, and, you know, the beef jerky is just right out there in front of the register. And so uh, I was like, you know what I said? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> and so I, I was the getaway car. So I pulled up, you know, and, and uh, this is, uh, again, this is, this, is, this is my idiot friend. You know, this is what we did. And we pull up, and, and so he gets out. He runs in and steals the beef jerky off the counter and gets back in the car, and we speed away. You know, it's like, hey, we got away with it. <laughs> beef jerky. And I look back on that and I think, what an idiot I was. Well, how did I get in that scenario? I was running with idiots. Now, here's the thing. If I wouldn't have gotten out of that circle, one day one, a friend of mine would have said, hey, dude, you know what? I, let's just rob that bank real quick. Because that, like, that, that happens. Like, like stupid people do stupid stuff. You know, you, you just watch the news. And, and someone like me probably would have said, rob the bank? Sure, I'll drive. It's a miracle that I did not end up in jail. I promise you. It is an absolute miracle that I did not suffer the harm of a fool. By God's grace, he, he pulled me out of that. But my, if I look back at my, my, my inner five back in high school, man, they were, headed, they were headed in the wrong direction. Who's in your top five in your life? It was Jim Rome who said this. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Will you leverage that principle in your life? Some of you need to do an audit of your top five. Just do a quick audit. Their beliefs, the, the, the five people closest to you, their beliefs, their habits, their values, their direction in life, their hopes, their dreams, their attitudes about life. Because where they're headed, you're headed. Let me say it again. Where they're headed, you're headed. You want to get to awesome? You got to get some awesome people around you who are going to help you get there because you become like the people closest to you. What have I said today? Man, I've, I've laid a lot on you. I've talked about relationships, how important they are. No one ever achieves success acting alone. No one ever reaches awesome. But here's the thing. A lot, a lot of times we, we hear stuff in this auditorium and we don't apply it. I'm guilty as well. Why? Well, I believe one of the reasons is pride. I believe one of the reasons is ego. I really do. I think, we, I think all of us struggle with, well, you know, I don't need to do that. I wish my brother was here. I wish my husband was here. I wish my, my niece was here or whatever. And we think of the other people. What, what about us? What about me? Why won't you do this? Why won't you get in a small group? Today, today we have small group signups in the back out there. 
right? And, and, and we, we push small group around here because we, want, we understand that you can grow better together, that you can become more like Jesus when you're in a group of people. You can go further faster when you're inside the context of community. And so we're going to challenge you in a second to go sign up for a small group, but, but many of you won't. Why? I'm sure there's several reasons, but is one of them ego? Is one of them pride? I don't really, I could do it myself. That was Naaman's problem. Naaman, in fact, if you go to the story in 2 Kings, Naaman almost walked away. Because Here's why. Because Elisha did not even come out to meet him. Elisha sent his servant, and the servant was the one that says, hey, Elisha wants you to go jump in the Jordan River seven times. And so guess whose guess who's pride was wounded? Naaman's pride. He, almost, he was actually walking away. He's like, I don't want to do this. One of Naaman's servants had to come to him and say, come on, come on, come on, come on. The, all the prophet told you to do was jump in the river seven times. Just jump in the river seven times. Don't be such a prideful, you know, pig-headed person. Right? Naaman said, you know what his response was? Well, why didn't he tell me to go d- dip in this river or that river? They're cleaner than the Jordan River. The Jordan River was dirty. It was an insult for Naaman to jump in. He had to overcome his pride to get in the Jordan River seven times. And he did. And because he did, his leprosy was healed. It was uh, Andrew Carnegie uh, who said it this way. It marks a big step in my development and your development when you come to realize that other people can help you do a better job than you can do alone. Huge step in your maturity my maturity, when we just go, wow, I can't, I can't do this alone. I need your help. You know, a wise person understands, therefore they get guidance. Will you come in? With, will you be on my team? I wish, I wish, I wish that I, could, that I could help every single one of you understand this and then act upon it and get in a group today. Today's the last day that you can sign up for a small group. For this, for this round of small groups. Right out in the foyer, I'm going to challenge you to do that as soon as I get done praying. I want you to hear from a couple right now that they're actually our next door neighbors, Andrea and Willie. And um, they started coming to this church, but they weren't in a group. And then because we always talk about groups here, they finally took that step. I want you to hear the positive difference that a small group has made in their life. Check out this short video. coming to Emmanuel about four years ago. We really liked being here. We felt good after we left on Sundays, but we always saw ourselves going right back into the same routine. So we were here, but we we weren't really applying it. Yeah, here on Sundays only. A lot of other people, we got married, had kids really quickly, um, just got busy. We're going through the motions, but not really enjoying our marriage and our time together. And we kind of let... the kids and work and everything else take over. I worked uh, crazy hours. She worked nights. Uh, we uh, would never have a family dinner. Date night, if we had a date night, we would go out nearby. We don't, we never really had that much time. <laughs> I even found like conversation was limited. We kind of lost us talking to each other about just what was going on with each other. We kind of forgot to be friends. We forgot why, kind of why we loved each other and how we, why we fell in love. And we, we made it a point to commit ourselves to coming every Sunday. I thought that was enough for me and she had mentioned small group. I, I really didn't have anything against it. I just thought I had better things to do with my time. One day I remember having the actual um, sign-up sheet for starter groups 
in my hand sitting in service and I remember him looking over at me and he said, okay. I think pretty quickly a couple of the couples opened up about some struggles that they'd had in their marriage. All of a sudden I didn't feel like we were alone and the only ones going through that. And just to hear people have the same struggles between each other, struggles raising kids, and to see what they did to get through that. That's where I really felt, okay, this is where we're supposed to be, and this is why God got us here, because we were having trouble, and this is the group of people that are going to help us grow and get through kind of those tough spots. Uh, it's been the best thing for myself and Andrea uh, and the kids. We've grown close, very close together in the last two years. When we first met, we would you know, uh, finishing each other's sentences. That had fallen off like a lot, and I hadn't realized it. Recently, we've started, that started the, I've, I've seen it come back in anyway. Come back, yeah. And we had actually just, that, that came up in group on how that happened. A lot of people close in our life saw what was going on and has seen, have seen a change oh, yeah. in our marriage. We still have our, our things we're working on, but now we know we have the, the backup and the support to fix those. Yeah, getting in that circle was, was the best decision that we had made since coming to Manville. We say around here, circles are better than rows when it comes to spiritual growth. That you can go further faster when you're in community with other believers. We talk about that, we preach about it, we show you examples of it. Will you take action? Will you join a group? Will you, will you decide, you know, for the first time, hey, or maybe you tried years ago, maybe you've given another shot to, to get in a group. I promise you, I promise you, you can go further faster when you have a team of people helping you get to your awesome. Let me say this real quick and then we'll wrap up. You know, I've never presented it this way before, but as I got to thinking about sharing the greatest news of all time, which it's a privilege and an honor to do that every week, it hit me that God lives in community. He lives, he lives in a team. Like, what? what are, some of you are like, what are you talking about? Well, if you think about who God is, according to the Bible, he's God the Father, he's God the Holy Spirit, and he's God the Son. We call it the Trinity. That's the theological word for it. God is one, three in one. He dwells in community with himself. And there was a time in history where you and I didn't exist. There was no such thing as human beings. We were not here, but God was. God lived in community with himself. And then one time, he decided, we don't know the exact year, that, hey, I want to create a being that can join our community, human beings. And so he did. And he chose to create Adam and Eve. Why? To be part of his community, to be part of his group, to be part of his team. And if you know the story, that got sideways in the Garden of Eden. When the very people he created chose to try to go at it alone, without him. But because God loved us so much and because he wants to be on our team and he wants to live in community with us, he sent the third person of the Trinity, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to this earth to die on a cross. Why? To wash away the penalty of sin, to take away the sin of Adam and Eve and your sin and my sin. Why? So that we can be part of his team, so that we can be part of his community. And that is what God did for you. And why did he do it? He did it because he loved you. The Bible said that God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
And so if you, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you become part of his community, part of his team. That's what he designed you for. Some of you never heard it put that way. Maybe for the first time it's clicked. And if you would like to receive the forgiveness of sins right now, if you'd like to be on his team, be part of God's community, all you need to do is ask God to forgive your sins right now. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? If, if that's what you feel led to do, this moment is designed for you by God himself. Just express your faith to him right now. He's listening. Say these words to him. Dear God, I place my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe he died for me. I believe he died in my place to pay the penalty of my sin. Wash me, cleanse me, and make me new. And help me for the rest of my life to honor you day in and day out. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, we, our church, would love to put a gift in your hand. It's a one-year New Testament. We believe with all of our heart that as you read the Bible, God begins to speak to you and guide you and show you what he's like and show you what you need to become like. And so if, we, if you just prayed to receive Christ today, there's tables back here to my right and to my left. You can just go on over there and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Maybe you prayed it last week, but you didn't go get a Bible or the week before. You can go grab a Bible if you prayed recently to receive Christ. Can we give God glory for what he's doing in our church? Listen, it is my privilege and it's my honor to stand before you and give these talks. I don't give them because I have to. I give them because I want you to reach your full potential, the potential that God has given you. And I just know, I know in my heart, in the deepest part of me, that no one reaches their potential. No one gets to their awesome alone. You need a team of people in your life helping you to get there. Will you leverage that? Will you apply that to your life? so that you can reach your full, full potential. I hope that you do. The sign-ups are in the back in the foyer. If you're not in a group, go sign up, and uh, let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to stand here on your behalf, to try to lead on your behalf, follow you and help others to follow you, to become like you and help others to become like you. God, help us to live in community with one another. Help us to get a team together so that we can go further faster. And reach out, reach that awesome that you have for us in our life. I pray for those who put their faith in Jesus today that they would go back and grab a Bible and begin reading and growing. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, next week we're going to be celebrating communion, so you're not going to want to miss that. It's going to be a very special time. We're going to wrap the whole service around communion. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend. Hit, hit, hit. Hit, hit, hit.